it's us again at Dealers of the Podcast. I'm Michael Kay. And I'm Allison. The Grammys aired over the weekend, and like every awards show during the pandemic, nobody watched. Oh, some of us did. We might have been the only ones. So the ratings (laughs) were in the shit can. They -hmm. were down over 50% from last year. 8.8 million people watched. So to put that into perspective, 17 million people watched Harry and Meghan's interview with Oprah. 8.8 8.8 million watched the Grammys. I was one of the 8.8. Did you watch the whole thing? Um, so I think that this is this is how I've like watched a lot of awards shows. Couldn't watch it on television. I could not get the channel for it. So I watched it on Twitter, which is the same way I watched like the Golden Globes. So I yeah. don't I don't count in that 8.8 8. 8 million viewers. Well, next time, like for the Oscars, what we'll do is you and I will FaceTime and I'll just put, uh, I'll point my phone to the screen. Yeah, it's like camera reflected to laptop, reflected to TV. Like the picture is like backwards, like in a mirror. I'll still watch it though. I'll be into it. Yeah, but it's a good thing you didn't put yourself through the Grammys because it was three and a half hours long. Yeah, it was long. Every time I kept checking on Twitter, like so I was updating and constantly trying to watch like clips and I was keeping up with it and um yeah I was like shocked I was like looking at my pretend watch being like have they not given these awards out yet like what's what's the hold up everyone's at home this is not a normal award ceremony no it just kept going and going and going I was like nothing needs to be three and a half hours long Mm -mm. A a Luke Evans sex tape maybe that's fine but the Grammys do not need to be three hours long three and a half hours long they kept going 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 but um it was uh, hosted by Trevor Noah, mm-hmm. and they seriously gave him the worst jokes. It's like, I was like, oh my God, I think I have a shot to be a Grammy Awards joke writer because that's how bad these jokes were. I feel like, well, like, yeah, I feel like they knew that the stakes were so low that like normally they'd put together like a really good writer's room and be like, okay, guys, the Grammys, what have you gotten this year? It feels like they just passed around an internal me- memo, like being like, jokes question mark respond if you have one if you have any ideas send them our way oh no i don't even know if it was that much thought put into it it was i mean these jokes poor trevor noah that's why i was like poor him for having to say some of these jokes but yeah anyways and the ceremony was socially distanced esque yeah because like people they wore masks. First of all, it was split into like two venues, sort of. Like there was the performance area, which basically looked like a high school gym. Mm-hmm. And then there was the outside area where they gave the awards. And people were like sitting in little garden tables in chairs. Yeah. Waiting to either lose or win. And they wore masks at the table. But then when they won... For, and the person presenting on stage was not wearing a mask. So when they won, they took off their mask, they went on stage, and they were, like, hugging the oh, person who gave them an award. And it's like, that person didn't have a mask on. I know they're not in your quarantine bubble. So, like, coronavirus was the big winner at the Grammys this that, year. It, it was such a, like, stars, they're not like us moment. Because I'm like, if you have been in a grocery store any time in the past 12 months, you know that rule number one, you don't take off your mask. Rule number two, don't fucking hug anyone. Rule number three, if somebody's reaching for the same box of Cheez-Its than you, 
that you just you back away. You're like, I guess I'm not getting these today. Like, oh, I don't the, even go like in the grocery store. If I'm walking down the aisle and I see someone coming the other way, I like zoop. I do yeah. it pivot and I you're walk like don't need way. milk. <laughs> not yeah, these that celebrities. Badly. These celebrities were not like that. No. Also, it looked to me like um, tell me if I'm like way off on this. The whole time I was watching it, it looked like somebody's retirement party. Like with the way they had all those like little tables set up. It felt like Harry Styles was retiring and they were all just like really happy for him. Yeah, it looked like a little backyard party. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sound like every entertainment news magazine in the world when I say it was ladies night at the Grammys. That's what they're <laughs> always saying. It was ladies night at the Grammys. <laughs> oh, my God. That and if like um, people from the same family win an award, they're like, it's a family affair. Yeah. So um, women cleaned up. Beyonce won her 28th Grammy, making her the female artist with the most wins ever. Well, with the most wins ever. That record used to be held by Alison Krauss. Beyonce is now tied for the second most Grammy wins. She's tied with Quincy Jones. They have the most together. And a conductor named George Salty has the most Grammy wins ever with 31. So Beyonce's right on his ass. She's probably going to beat him. Uh, Beyonce's daughter, Blue Ivy Carter, she's nine years old. She now has more Grammys than you. She has, she won her first (laughs) Grammy because her mom's video for Brown Skin Girl won Best Music Video and Blue Ivy is in it. Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift won Album of the Year for Folklore. Hers song, I Can't Breathe, won Song of the Year. Megan the, the Stallion won Best New Artist as well as several other awards. Miranda Lambert won Best Country Album. Tiffany Haddish won Best Comedy Album. And Billie Eilish won Record of the Year. Mm-hmm. So when Billie Eilish won, she sort of did what Adele did at the 2017 Grammys. Mm-hmm. So that was the year like Adele had an album out and Beyonce's Lemonade was out. So they were up against each other for a lot of awards. And the Grammys, they're up. They love Adele. Like, Oh, God, they love her so much. She could fart into a microphone and she would sweep the Grammys. And I'm not even joking. She'd get more Grammys than that conductor guy. Yes, she would easily beat the record in one year. But when she won and she won Album of the Year, well, when when she won a few times, like she would thank, she would mention Beyonce in her speech because she's a huge Beyonce fan but in her album of the year she said that the that award really belonged to Beyonce because Lemonade was such an important album to her and to her friends especially her black friends but Adele never gave Beyonce the award so when Billie Eilish won for her song Everything I Wanted she also beat Megan Thee Stallion, who was up for Savage. And Billy said she was embarrassed to win and that the award really belongs to Megan. And she praised Megan a lot. Megan, girl, I was going to write a speech about how you deserve this. But then I was like, there's no way they're going to choose me. <laughs> I was like, it's hers. You deserve this. You had a year that I think is untoppable. You are a queen. I want to cry thinking about how much I love you. You're so beautiful. You're so talented. You deserve everything in the world. I think about you constantly. I root for you always. 
You deserve it, honestly. Genuinely, this goes to her. Can we just cheer for Megan Thee Stallion, please? <laughs> but Billy didn't give Megan the award, and she gave the usual acceptance speech, took the award. And so what do you th- what do you think about when artists do that? Else? Okay. Well, first of all, it's so it's so easy to be like this this reminds me of when like at one of my proms, someone won prom king and they were like they like looked into the audience and they're like, "Oh, but whatever. Let's say his name's Brad, but Brad, you truly deserve this." And I'm like, "Okay, so get off the stage and let him win then." Wait, like, the prom king got to talk? Yeah, you got oh, like, yeah, a speech. Oh, yeah, Thank God they didn't get to give a speech. Yeah, they never gave a speech. It was dumb. They did not need to do speeches for prom king and queen. But I will say the prom queen speech was great because she was super drunk and she just showed it at all of her drunk friends. So she was great. But I, no, I don't like it. It's like if someone, if Adele really thinks Beyonce should get the award, she like tells Beyonce to come up and be like, get your award. This is your award. I don't want it. Also, Billie Eilish won four Grammys last year. She can spare one. She could have just given yeah. it to <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion. She could have just I given it to her. I mean, I think the sentiment is sweet. And I, and, but if that was me and someone was like, you deserve this award, I would put my empty hounds out like, okay, then give it to me. Yeah, exactly. I don't care if your name's on it. I want that trophy. I'll turn it around in the trophy. Oh, yeah. Case. And guess what? I brought a Sharpie. I can scratch out your name and put mine on. Perfect. Yeah, but, you know, it's the thought that counts. It is nice. It's, like, it is nice, too, to, like, acknowledge when you don't think you deserve something. I can appreciate that when somebody says, like, I think you deserve this over me. I I appreciate when somebody says that, especially since, again, I have nothing against Billie Eilish. I don't want to think, I don't want people to think I'm a hater here, that I'm hating oh, no, on, like, you an don't. 18-year-old But girl. the title of this podcast is going to be Allison fucking hates Allison, Billie Eilish. Allison bullies the shit out of a teenager. <laughs> Teenage girl. No, but, like, what I'm trying to say here is, fuck, what am I trying to say? I got distracted by cyberbullying Billie Eilish. Well, you were going to say I hate Billie Eilish. That's what you are going to say. I hate the her. The truth. So, she's, yeah. <laughs> she's nothing to me. Who is Billie Eilish? No, what I was going to say is, um, I had to look up, and I feel like I'm very on top of Billie Eilish songs, but I had to actually look up everything I wanted on YouTube because I'd never heard it before. Really? Oh, well, you're not on TikTok because uh, yeah, that's, on TikTok, that's yeah. what it is. I'm not on TikTok. But I, I know what Savage is. I know all the lyrics to Savage. It's a great song. So what I'm trying to say is, as the average listener at home, I kind of agreed with Billie Eilish. Like, I was like, no, Megan the Stallion definitely should have gotten that. Like, that song was huge. But what can you do? Everybody goes home with an award anyway, so. So what were your some of your favorite performances? Oh, hands down, this one's so easy. Um, I was not a big Dua Lipa fan for the longest time. I, I would say I would I was almost willfully ignorant towards Dua Lipa. I don't know why. I was just like, this is something I don't want to get into. And then I got into her and she's incredible. And her performance was so good. And my favorite part about it is it's like a gif that's been kind of like going around Twitter is um, Bad Bunny dancing to her song while like mm-hmm. sitting and drinking yeah. and not wearing a mask again. <laughs> A lot of people yeah, not wearing masks. Yeah. But no, I love that. It was so good. She kind of reminded me of like Cher, uh, but also a Barbie. The, a Cher Barbie. She's yeah. great. That was my favorite. What was yours? 
I also like Dua Lipa, but for different reasons than you. Okay. (laughs) I mean, to me, it's like she's very Kendall Jenner. Like, she's skinny, she's beautiful. (laughs) I thought you said you liked her. (laughs) But she has no personality. Right. Um, And, like, she can't dance. But... But it's like she has this laziness, this kind of like uh, that mm-hmm. I'm kind of into. She's kind of like the Lana Del Rey of pop to me. Like she's kind of just uh, it's like this lazy glamour like. Uh, uh, uh. So I can uh, I like that. OK, so I did like that. To me, that is her personality is being tired and lazy. OK, and, yeah, then yeah, I, I'm into that. Having hair that both moves and doesn't move at the same time. Yeah, you're right. I like her. Mm-hmm. I love her. Um. I also liked Doja Cat because yeah. she looked like Double Trouble from She-Ra. She had like this, uh, but gone goth. Mm-hmm. She had this like anal beads braid. Mm-hmm. So I liked Doja Cat. I liked the baby because uh-huh. he had like a choir of Mimas in Judge Judy drag and they were dancing and singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the best part of the Grammys. Yeah, easy. And I liked Silk Sonic's performance. Okay. It was like very retro. Want me, you know, made you want to do some Spanish fly. So those <laughs> I liked. Uh, what performances didn't you like? I think we're going to agree. Yeah, you think so? All right. Yeah, go ahead. Let's do it on three. One, okay. two, two, three. Taylor Walk. Swift. Oh, oh. I liked WAP. Although it to WAP to me kind of bothered me a little bit because there was so much like acrobatics and like my back has gotten really bad during this pandemic. And when I was watching Megan the Stallion like flip Cardi B over with her legs, I was like, ouch, no, your poor backs. Don't do that. Yeah, you, you gotta wear one of those um what are those like belts that the Home Depot workers at Home Depot oh, wear lum- to like lift shit up. <laughs> yeah, they had to wear that. They had to wear like a bedazzled one of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They could have. So why didn't you like it though? See, I liked Megan the Stallion, and then when Cardi B came out, it was just first of all, she was lip syncing. So yeah. that was a mess. And sometimes she can't she doesn't lip sync that well because sometimes like her mouth would not be moving, but you would hear the lyrics. And also like they had to censor everything. Like, she, Cardi has a lyric, macaroni in the pot. They censored macaroni. Like, they censored, like, every other word. So you could barely, the song was completely, like, butchered. Oh, yeah, the song is all implications. And because it's CBS, like, they had to tone it down. So to me, it was very toned down. Like, I want raunchy, nasty I want all of that from them. And I, it felt like they were holding back. It, so it it wasn't, yeah, it was the worst performance for me. And Taylor, why was Taylor for you? Uh, okay. Well, because I understand that, like, Taylor was kind of doing, like, she sort of, her thing is right now that she, like, lives in, like, a dollhouse cottage or something. So she was, like, bringing a lot of that dollhouse cottage energy with her performance. But it was too dark for me. Everyone was in shadows. I don't like having to like, I don't like when I like come from outside or go from inside to outside and my eyes can't adjust properly. That scares me. I don't feel good when that happens. And Was it just the, the clip you were watching? Because I didn't get that. I mean, it was like moody. It was moody, but it was like too dark for me. Like I, okay. I wanted to see, here's the thing. I like a dollhouse. I like things that look like they're in the forest but I want to be able to see them. So I wanted it to be 
better lit. So I didn't enjoy that. Also, I really, I'll be honest, credit where credit is due. I really, really like Taylor Swift's like floral applique dress that she was wearing. And I wish that she had worn like a bigger version of that. I'd see, that didn't work for me because it was okay. like, it didn't go with like the set to me. And also like uh, the two dudes, she Jack Antonoff and Aaron Dresner. Aaron Jesner, they were not matching her. And that, for some reason, always bothers me. Like, when they don't coordinate. Well, it should be, if you're going to commit to a look, everybody has to commit. They should have, yeah, somehow the same colors or something. Mm -hmm. But she was, like, in this Andorra gown. And they were, like, wearing dickies or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I didn't enjoy that. I've seen better Taylor Swift performances. Don't ask me to name one. Okay, so... The Grammys weren't the only thing that was being talked about on Monday. I would say it was a big part of it. But also something that happened on Monday was we finally, finally, finally got the nominations for the 2021 Oscar Awards. So when I say finally that many times, I need to stress the Oscars last year were held on February 9th. So one year, one month and almost one week later, six days We got this year's nominations. The actual ceremony doesn't happen until April 25th. I don't know why this bothers me so much. I mean, I'm surprised it's even happening. Well, I I mean, to be, yeah, well, that's the thing too, is like, I'm surprised we even had Oscar nominations because if you, like, if I had asked you, Michael, pick five films that should be nominated for best picture. Could you do it? Well, I've been doing nothing but watching movies every damn damn so you could do it then okay pandemic so i could do it yeah all right well i couldn't (laughs) is what i'm getting no but for me it was like it was hard because i watched a couple movies like during the pandemic i'm more of a tv person but they're like it normally in any other year you know you're kind of slapped over the face over and over again with award season right like last year how many times did we hear about once upon a time in hollywood Right. It was like every single day somebody was doing promo for it or like Brad Pitt was doing something funny on Jimmy Fallon or whatever. Right. Yeah. And you can kind of like set your watch to like who is going to get nominated and like the snubs are like so shocking and whatever. And like this year when we heard about the Oscar nominations, it was just kind of like, okay, sure. Like, yeah, pick some people. Go ahead. I mean, we sort of knew it was going to happen because of the Golden Globes and because of the SAG Awards. Like, it's not too much of a surprise. But it's still, yeah. you know, not a lot of not a lot of stuff happens. So for Best Picture, there's The Father, which is a movie about Anthony Hopkins uh, having dementia. Judas and the Black Messiah, which I'll talk more about in a second. Mank, the movie about uh, the Citizen Kane screenwriter, which I don't I don't know. I haven't seen it, but I know that it's I don't know. It's Hollywoody. Um, yeah. Minari, which feels like it's deserved because that was a movie that we kind of talked about a lot like when the golden globe nominations came out nomad land which won the golden globe for best picture drama promising young woman sound of metal and the trial of the chicago seven so i mean i i joke that like we didn't know what movies were going to get nominated but some of those are not that surprising most of them yeah most of them are i feel like overall the the nominations were all very predictable they were predictable. I guess it was just like there wasn't the normal like pizzazz of like a normal year's Hollywood award season. 
But, hmm, Allison, I wonder why that is. Oh, perhaps because we're in a pandemic. <laughs> Possibly. Maybe. Maybe. Probably could... not. It's something else. Yeah. It's a shot in the dark. Those are some bleak odds. So, um, out of those movies, which have you seen? Uh, I've seen, I haven't seen Minari and I haven't seen Chicago 7. Everything else I've seen. Did oh, you... I haven't seen The Father. Oh, okay. But everything else I've seen, yeah. What have you seen? Have you seen any of them? Michael. No. <laughs> None of not. them? I haven't seen one of them. But I mean, to be fair, like I said, I'm more of a TV person. I'm that meme where people are like, I can't do two hours of a movie, but I can do five hours of a TV show. Yeah. Which is bad. That means I have an attention span. Well, you you like what you like. There's a couple uh, things that kind of happened with this year's nominations. So it was kind of exciting because, um, you know, everybody was sort of shitting on the Golden Globes for being like, they snubbed a bunch of like work from black people and you know last year and like the year before and stuff they like don't didn't celebrate you know female directors so this year a bunch of stuff happened that's very exciting so the first muslim actor was nominated for best actor the first asian american actor was nominated for best actor that also means that this is the first year that two asian lead actors have been nominated against each other in the best actor category Okay. Um, so that's Riz Ahmed Riz, and Stephen Yoon. Yeah, yeah, Riz Ahmed from Sound of Metal, Stephen Yoon from Minari, and Riz Ahmed, I believe, is um, like Pakistani heritage. So that's why I said that two Asian leads are nominated against each other. Um, two women are nominated for Best Director for the first time. Um, so Chloe Zhao for uh, Nomadland and Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. And this is also the first time that two Asian directors have been nominated in the same category. So Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. Uh, again, these are like, it's wild that this stuff is has never happened. But yeah. I mean, it's Hollywood, so yeah. we can't be that surprised. So Viola Davis is now the most nominated Black actress ever uh, with her fourth nomination that she got. So... That's exciting. She got Best Actress in a Leading Role for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And she has previously won for Best Supporting Actress, I believe. Because for if she, Fences. For yeah. Fences. Because if she won for Best if she won Best Actress in a Leading Role, it would be the first time in 20 years that a Black actress has won. Of course, the last time being Halle Berry for Monsters Ball. So, again, very, very exciting. Now, here's the things that I'm going to point out. So, there's a couple things that people were sort of confused about. Normally the confusing nominations happen with the Golden Globes, but they happen this year for the Oscars. So best actor in a supporting role, Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield are both nominated. So they were both in Judas and the Black Messiah. Lakeith Stanfield is the Judas and Daniel Kaluuya is the Black Messiah. And a lot of people have been sort of pointing out like, if they're supporting actors... Who's the lead actor in that movie? Well, what I think happened with that is, so Lakeith Stanfield, he's the lead, basically. Like, it's told from his point of view. And I think they figured that Chadwick Boseman, he's nominated for Best Actor for uh, Ma Rainey's, Mm -hmm. that he's a shoo-in to win. So maybe they felt like Lakeith's chances were better in supporting. But I think Daniel Kaluuya has that, wrapped up already okay i completely agree with you because so chadwick boseman obviously was nominated for best actor in a leading role posthumously and 
yeah, it's like one of those sure bets where people are like, he's going to win. No question, this actor is going to win. So they probably thought if we have any hope of, you know, anyone being nominated, let's just avoid the best actor category completely. That's what I think happened. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, no disrespect to like Riz Ahmed and Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman and Steven Yeun. I'm sure they all did really great work. But if I was betting on the Oscars. Yeah, that's that's a lock. That's a lock. Okay, so best actress in a leading role. Do you do you have a prediction of who is a lock? So I'm going to tell you who's nominated. Viola Davis, as I said, Andra Day for the United States, Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. Frances McDormand, No Bad Land, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. I don't think there's a lock, but I think it's down to Frances McDormand and Carrie Mulligan. But I think it's going to be Carrie Mulligan. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Usually I feel like my predictions are very close with you. See, I think it's going to be down to Frances McDormand and Andrew Day. Yeah, maybe. I mean, who knows? Anything can happen. I'm Yeah, on <laughs> Hollywood's most magical night. Anything, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, like you said, Daniel Kaluuya probably is maybe going to win Best Supporting Actor, which is great. And then Best Actress in a Supporting Role. I love this category so much. So Maria Bakalova from Borat 2 was nominated, which is incredible. Good for her. I love seeing it like, an, I hate this term, but a newcomer. And like, they always describe her as that, which it's like, yeah, she hasn't done a ton of movies before. But anyway, so she got nominated. Good for her. Olivia Coleman for The Father. Amanda Seyfried for Mank. Um, Ye Jung Yoon for Minari, who is like the grandma. She got nominated, mm-hmm. which is very cute. And then Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. And that's why I love this category so much. So this is Glenn Close's eighth uh, Oscar nomination. And when you go on And her- no wins. No wins. First of all, that's a shame. That's one of Hollywood's biggest shames that needs to be corrected. I know it will one year. It's definitely not going to get corrected this year. And if it does, if this is the year that Glenn Close wins an Oscar, the earth just needs to swallow us all up. Because that's not right. Yeah, no, she's not going to win. I'm surprised she was even nominated, honestly. because So she got a Razzie. Yeah for the same role or Brazzy nomination for the same role, same everything. <laughs> and have you, se- you haven't seen this? No, I haven't. So I watched it last night because I had to see this performance that is both horrible and, and incredibly <laughs> Oscar worthy. I mean, and the, mo- I mean, the movie is shit, but <laughs> it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Everyone was like, this is the fucking, this is worse than shit. Don't even call it shit. It's worse <laughs> than that. Um, and, She's. Just, I mean, <laughs> it's just. I think. Think the more the big problems with that movie are like the direction and the script and the acting okay. is fine, but it's just like she's. Yeah, she does look exactly like the person she's playing. Yeah, because that character is based on the uh, the writer's Mima. Yeah, so she's playing that and she looks just like her. But you know what? She also looks like to me. She looks like um, Miley Cyrus's grandmother. If Miley Cyrus's grandmother didn't have money. Okay, yeah, that's that's a... what she looks just like me. Miley Cyrus' grandmother, rest in peace. But that's yeah, that's what she looks like to me. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, it's like a character. Like it's very sort of like sometimes you watch something like with acting, and you're like, you could get tricked, right? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm watching acting. Like this isn't real. But then sometimes you watch something like that, and you're like, oh, this is like capital A acting. This is a character. Um. 
I will point out one more thing about Glenn Close, not to not to drag Glenn Close too much. On her Wikipedia page, if you go to like the awards and nominations section, it lists all the awards she's been nominated for. Hundreds and hundreds because she's an excellent actress. But if you look at the Academy Awards section, it lists the year and then it lists what she was nominated for, like Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress. And then it lists the movie. And then there's a little column for the person who beat her. Like they list who she lost to. Uh-huh. And with Hillbilly Elegy, it says pending. That is the most offensive thing to me. Pending. Just put, she's not going to win. Like, I just, mean, she, yeah, she's not going to win. But. She's not, not going to win. It just feels like such an insult to me. Like it's like, so what do they maybe. say? Maybe. What? What would have been would have been better if they said anybody but her? Yeah, anybody or, but Glenn. Or just like no, it just says like I'm sorry, Glenn. It's not your year. That would have yeah. been more mean than pending. Pending means at least she has a chance. I think even Glenn Close knows that it's not going to happen. If she didn't win for the wife last year, then she's not going to. I mean, who knows? Again, who knows? The the Academy might be like, you know what? Glenn Close has put in enough time. Hillbilly Elegy, it is. Um. So then really quickly, best adapted screenplay is Borat 2, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. One Night in Miami is interesting because um, it wasn't really nominated for too much else, except for um, Leslie Odom Jr. was nominated in a supporting role. But I know a lot of people thought that Regina King was going to get nominated for director, which would have been like three female directors in the category. That didn't happen, which is too bad. Um... And then best original screenplay is Jews and the Black Messiah, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, and then uh, the snubs, of course. There's been, like, snubs and then people that just didn't get nominated. So I think everybody can kind of agree that, like, um, Delroy Lindo was, like, a big snub uh, for Defy Bloods. And, like, Spike, Spike Lee's movie didn't get anything else. Like, it didn't get original screenplay or anything like that. I know a lot of people were kind of wondering where that was. Yeah, and we won't know until a month. Yeah, April more, more than something. April Last 25th. Sunday in April, I think. Yeah, basically May at this. Like that, it's yeah, essentially May. It's more May than April. So yeah. yeah, we gotta we gotta put in some time, and then we'll find out. Yeah. Okay, so now let's talk about Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. So last week on Friday, I was wrapping up my day. Mm-hmm. getting ready to get stoned and Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez just had to be very rude and very selfish by announcing that they split up although they didn't announce it you know it's a sources type thing right but it could it could have been earlier in the day out of kindness yeah no it was the end of day so uh JLo and A-Rod have been together for four years they've been engaged for two Page Six said that they broke up, and Page Six reported it on a Friday, and they said they broke up that day. It was quick. It was quick. Like, you know, when us normal people break up, we immediately, you know, say passive-aggressive shit about our ex on Facebook, delete all their pictures on Instagram. But J-Lo and A-Rod, they leak the breakup, you know, right after they broke up. That's like the first thing they did. First call they made. Yeah, to page six. So after page six broke the breakup news, People Magazine, TMZ, E, etc. all confirmed that they broke up. People Magazine said that the breakup was a long time coming and that they're working on entangling their lives because their lives were very tangled up both personally 
and professionally. Like J-Lo has kids from her marriage uh, to Mark Anthony. A-Rod has kids. So they blended their families. They also bought a $40 million Miami mansion together. They bought a New York City penthouse together. They invested in all these companies together, like frozen food, sunglasses, hair loss prevention. They invest, they're trying to be this power couple. So they're investing in all these companies together. Um, they try to buy the Mets together. That didn't happen. So they don't have to untangle that. But they, Page Six said there was a lot to untangle. So they, Page Six also said that the reason why they broke up is because of A-Rod being a cheater. Mm-hmm. That, and I think we talked about this. You likely have. On the podcast before. But um, there's this Bravo reality person, Madison LaCroix. She's on Southern Charm. So she claimed a little while ago that she FaceTimed with A-Rod. But she also said that they never met, so they never fucked. But apparently, J-Lo was very embarrassed by it. And that's why she dumped Mm A-Rod. So that was on Friday. On Saturday, the story had changed. So... J-Lo and A-Rod released a statement saying that all the reports are inaccurate. We are working through some things. And then they each posted their own thing on social media, which like subtly denied that they broke up. Like J-Lo posted some video compilation. So basically J-Lo got an intern or whatever to put this video compilation together on a weekend. I know. So she, yeah, so she can post it. So it was like uh, headlines about the breakup and set to some music. And then at the end, there was a clip of her saying, you're dumb. Like, dumb for believing the rumors or these outlets are dumb for reporting the rumors. I don't know. So E! News now says that their relationship is hanging on by a thread. Single thread. And that they've been apart since J-Lo is filming a movie in the Dominican Republic and A-Rod is in Miami. So A-Rod is trying to save his eternal love with J-Lo and is in the Dominican Republic to try to make things good with her. And he also says that they're fighting for their love because their children are very close. So they want to make it work. And also they have that frozen food company. Yeah, think of the frozen food company. Gotta make it work for that frozen food company. Uh, I think they're done. What do you think? Oh my God, I think they're totally done. Because I th- here's the exact reason why. Is because... We can hear a million and one rumors about Alex Rodriguez being a huge cheater. And at some point in time, it just becomes like background noise. Like, it's like, yeah, he played baseball and he like likes to invest his money and he like, you know, screws anything that breathes and uh, he lives in Miami. And like, it's like just so common. I think it was the fact that it was that Madison LaCroix's name got dragged into this because all I could think of was Regina Hall and Scary Movie being like, a Southern Charm cast member? That's lower than below deck. Like, it was just, like, so, like, I feel like the second we put a face to it, we're like, oh, my God. Southern Charm? Are you kidding? A-Rod? Really? Like, that is, to to be J-Lo, that would be very embarrassing. Yeah, and also, like, this this happened with Mark Antony. Remember, it's like, there were rumors that they broke up, and then they were like, no, 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 and then they really broke up. Same with Casper, Casper Smart. So oh, I yeah. think, like, J-Lo, like you said, didn't like the narrative of the breakup, so Mm -hmm. she wants to change it. Yeah. And, like, since they're they're trying to be, like, the power couple of our time, there's a lot of things to work out. But, yeah, I think it's over. I think J-Lo knows you got to let a hoe be a hoe, and A-Rod is a hoe. 
Yeah, but I think she wants to control the narrative more of how they broke up. Yeah, I think that she wants it to be more like if they do announce they're broken up, it wants to be something where it's like, with heavy hearts, we announce that we have gone our separate ways, but we are committed to being the best of friends. And and frozen food empire And hair retention products and uh, maybe own a baseball team someday in the future as friends. Like she wants it to be that and not like, you know, oh, I was very, very tired of like seeing another story about how A-Rod was DMing women. And again, but it's like you said, though, it's like that's what A-Rod wants to do. You can't you can't tame that wild horse. No. No, you either, yeah, you got to know he likes to slide into DMs and coochies, and you're either okay with that or you're not. And yeah, J Lo isn't, but I, there's you know who there's one person who is probably jizzing over this news. Not probably he did jizz over is. this news. Jose Canseco. Yes. Yes, Jose. <laughs> Jose Canseco, like he's been obsessed with J Lo and A Rod. So he a while back said that um, A Rod has been cheating on J Lo left and right. That he's been talking shit about A-Rod, saying that J-Lo deserves better. And last in January, he said that he predicts that J-Lo and A-Rod will break up this year. So he should he should really be when you know when we predict shit at the end of the year, yeah. he should be on because he he gets it right. And now he's like tweeting like to J-Lo to um, date him and <laughs> he will fight for her. Well, I mean, at least we know he's truthful. He was telling the truth about all that cheating. <laughs> I know he got that right. But I don't think he's obsessed man. with J-Lo. Like, I think he's obsessed with A-Rod. He's oh. always going on about A-Rod. And it's like, I mean, we know A-Rod likes women with muscles. And True. Jose has muscles. But he's also not blonde. And he's also not a woman. So it's like, Jose, he's not going to fuck you. He's just, no way, Jose. And this is where we go over five stories, starting with Emily Ratajkowski, who I call Emily Ratajetsky. She's a model, and she recently gave birth to her child, for her first child, with her movie producer husband, Sebastian Bear McClard. So Emily and Sebastian uh, are deciding to raise their baby genderless. So they're going to let their child make their decision on gender later on. So the baby's gender was not given, but the kid's name was. So they named their first child Sylvester Apollo Bear, and they're calling the kid Sly for short. Sly Bear. Sly and the family stoners, meaning Emily and Sebastian were stoned when they named this kid. It also sounds like a rejected Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Sly Bear. Poor Sly Bear. Poor Sly Bear. So, I mean, that name is a mouthful, but I know that that baby, when that baby gets old enough, will be able to decide for themselves that they are thankful for that name. Because that name could always be more complicated, and it would be if it also had its mom's last name. Yeah, that that's true. 
Um, Susan Sarandon, she's 74 years old. She's single, but she's ready to date again. And her only requirement is that you've been vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccine. Susan doesn't care if you've got a peen. She doesn't care if you've got a poon. She only cares if you got the vaccine. So she said on the Divorced Not Dead podcast, I want someone who's been vaccinated for COVID. I don't care if it's a man or a woman. I mean, I'm open to all ages, all color. And those for me, those things are just details. So this is a I this is a fine plan. I agree with her. It's a mm-hmm. good idea to yeah. you know check for vaccinations. It does not work in Canada because the only people who've been vaccinated here are like eighty five and up. So if she you know, if she really wants to have an adventure, then then she'll come up here and start dating. Yeah. Come come up there to come exactly. in an eighty year old. <laughs> A vaccinated 80-year-old. Exactly. They got the shot. Yeah. Okay. Susan is a liar uh, <laughs> because, like, she, she's a liar for saying, like, she doesn't care about anything but the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Because we all know that she'd rather toss coronavirus's salad than roll over and see her new boyfriend or girlfriend wearing an I'm with her t-shirt to bed since she hates Hillary Clinton. She's not with her. Justin Bieber told Billboard magazine that he mostly uses an iPad for communication and doesn't carry a phone around so that people don't have 24-7 access to him. So he said, I definitely learned how to have boundaries and I just don't feel like I owe anybody anything. That has helped me to be able to just say no and just be firm in it and know that my heart wants to help people, but I can't do everything. I want to sometimes, but it's just not sustainable. I know that we joke that Justin Bieber is forever young, like that he's always going to be like an 18 year old. But this 18, more like eight, eight. Yeah, I know. I was being generous there. (laughs) But this this revelation has definitely killed that image forever because nothing says old person like taking photos with an iPad. That's true. Yeah, he's really grown. Mm -hmm. Okay, and see, this is just like a star's. They're not just like like us example to me because us peasants, like we need to carry a phone to get some things done, right? And like if we need something, we can pick up our phone and and handle it. But not Bieber because he's a multimillionaire celebrity. So when he needs something done, he just has to snap at his lackey. And by his lackey, I mean Haley Bieber. This is a little fun fact about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's interview with Oprah. So the wooden outdoor chairs they were sitting on came from the collection of Christopher McKnight, who played Peter Brady in The Brady Bunch, and he has a furniture collection. Thanks to Harry and Meghan and Oprah, that collection is sold out. There's also a rumor that the house where they filmed the interview was Rob Lowe's house, but that has not been confirmed. Yeah, um... This has got to be very strange news for the uh, for the royal family because after they found out that Peter Brady was the one who supplied all of the furniture, I assume that they went online and you know researched who pre- Peter Brady was, and they're like, "Oh, the Brady Bunch, a TV show about a family who everybody gets along." That's such a strange concept. Do they get along on the Brady Bunch? Yes, they love each other. Doesn't someone hit? Uh, Marsha with a football. <gasps> Peter by accident hit her with a football. She was got in the way. Ac- yes. Was it by accident? Mm, she, it was very convenient. I'll say that much. Okay. And you know, I didn't know that I had the fantasy of watching Prince Harry sit on Peter Brady's wood. But I did. And it's been fulfilled. So thank you, Oprah. 
Um, this little story is a few years old, but it made the rounds again. So there's reports that millennials hate top sheets and don't see the point of them because they crumple up and end up at the bottom of the bed anyways. And so they only sleep with a duvet over them. Allison, top sheet or no sheet? Absolutely a top sheet. No top sheet reminds me of dating in my 20s when a guy would just have like a zipped open sleeping bag on a mattress. So I like to have many layers, a top sheet, a blanket, and then a blanket on top of it. How about you, Michael? A top sheet, a blanket, a duvet, and then a blanket? No, no, no. Like a top sheet, the blanket, like a bed blanket. You know how you have a bed blanket. Oh, so you don't do a duvet. No, I don't, I I don't do use a, a bed blanket. I do a quilt. Oh, okay. okay. And, then, and then another quilt. Currently, I have uh, four layers on top of me. Yeah, I'm so, well, no, I'm not, I, well, I don't live in the cold. If I lived in the cold like you, I would. Yeah. But I, yeah, I love a top sheet. I love a top on me, so ah. it's fine. But if I don't, like, if I don't have a top sheet, if I just sleep under the duvet, I feel naked. Even when I'm not, yeah, even when I'm not naked, I feel naked. And also it's like a top sheet just makes more sense because like, let's say you're getting sexy with yourself, right? You can use that top sheet to clean up so you don't have to go and grab a rag, get up. So it's very, you know, it serves a purpose. And you can't do that with a duvet because that's just nasty. So tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day, although I should say by the time this episode airs, it will be St. Patrick's Day. And normally, Michael, this is where I would ask you if you're celebrating St. Patrick's Day, possibly by getting drunk with strangers on green beer. Uh, But none of us should be doing that right now. Um, Well, I'll get drunk on green beer by myself. Yeah. That's like any other day, any other day. Text a friend. It'll make it seem like you're doing it with friends. So um, instead of getting drunk with strangers, I thought I would test your Irish knowledge with an Irish quiz uh, about Ireland and St. Patrick's Day. So some of these questions are courtesy of the Irish Times. Some are from the Belfast Telegraph and some came from National Geographic Kids. So this is truly a quiz that appeals to all ages. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to pass this because I know I have a PhD in Irish history. Yeah, that's right. You do. You like mention that all the time on Delisted when you're writing. Yeah. Like yeah. my, uh, I did play with, uh, um, what's the St. Patrick's Day doll from Strawberry Shortcake? Patty? No, Patty O'Green is from Rainbow Bright. Oh, yeah. that I played with her. So that yes. basically makes me an expert, you're an the, Irish historian, you're basically. An, you're an, yeah. A, yeah, you're an authority on this. Okay, okay. so question number one. What did St. Patrick chase out of Ireland? So did he get rid of the squirrels, the snakes, or the leprechauns? The snakes. You got it. Okay, what is the official symbol of Ireland? Is it the shamrock, the harp, or the Celtic cross? Booze. It, the unofficial symbol is booze, yes. Um, but what is the official symbol? Celtic cross. No, it's a harp. Oh, okay, I, would, I, I was I was it was between shamrock and cross. So yeah, I thought it was a shamrock. So this is getting into like Irish uh, history. What oh, tradi- great! That's my specialty. Excellent. What traditional remedy for an upset stomach have generations of Irish parents and grandparents sworn by? Booze. Oh, you're close. So your options are rubbing the stomach of a pregnant cow, adding uh, corned beef and cabbage to tea. We're drinking a warm flat glass of 7-Up. The cabbage one. Mm-mm. 7-Up? Warm 7-Up. Oh, I almost said that. 
<laughs> did you ever did that you not, made the most sense to me that's why yeah. I was like, did you not drink warm seven up when you were growing up when you were sick no okay no. i drink warm ginger ale. no i'm not irish <laughs> i know but drinking warm seven up spans all, all continents all cultures yeah okay so name the three colors of the irish flag oh shit <laughs> <laughs> this one's easy i know oh you can my get this god one. no this is not easy okay green orange white yes that's oh. it you oh got my God, it. I totally pulled that on my ass. <laughs> no, but that's totally it. Okay. How many leaves does a shamrock have? Your options are three, four, or five. Four. Okay. No, it's actually three. three. Yes. Okay. So a shamrock is three and a four-leaf clover has four. And I've been okay. told that a shamrock is not the same as a four-leaf clover, but I'm sure that if it does like a 23 in me, it's, it's all from the same okay. family. Okay. Next one. Spell... Sersha Ronan. Sersha Ronan. Yes. S-A-O-I-R-S-E space R-O-N-A-N. Yeah, you got it. Perfect. <laughs> okay. The official color of St. Patrick's Day is green. Duh. But what color was originally associated with St. Patrick's Day? Was it orange, black, or blue? Black. Mm-mm, it's blue apparently like okay, sky yeah. blue but then they picked green because the like name of ireland is the emerald isle so they're like branding of course yeah. so what happens if you don't wear green on saint patrick's day what do you get pinched yes you get pinched all right saint patrick is the patron saint of what Booze. ireland yeah <laughs> again uh, an adjacent answer ireland snakes or potatoes Ireland. Yeah, Ireland. Okay, okay. Okay, two questions left. What U.S. city dyes its river green every year for St. Patrick's Day? Chicago. Yes, that's right. Okay, okay and last one. What was St. Patrick's alleged real name? So your options are Killian Snake Patrick, Mywin Suckot, Pat McGroin. Killian St. Patrick. <laughs> no, it was Mywin Suckot. No, I like that one better. I know it's a great Mylan Suckett. Suckett's a great last name. Why would he change it to St. Patrick? That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so Michael, you got six right out of, I don't know, there was 10 or 11 here. Um, so, <laughs> so I got like a D. I barely, I got like a D. You passed with flying yeah, colors. True. Green, white, I'm practically orange. Irish. You practically. <laughs> <laughs> okay so that ends the show happy saint patrick's day happy saint patrick's day michael and uh if you have a question for us uh you can email us at dtp at delisted.com dtp at delisted.com and thank you for that quiz allison and ha- happy saint patrick's day happy- how do you do an irish accent hers <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Close enough.